This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. With the trade deadline looming this coming Tuesday, so we'll learn just how much faith Cashman and company has in this current team based on what they decide to do at the deadline. Uh, Got to get into the Jets conversation because Aaron Rodgers continues the tour de force on how to win over this fan base. He went back at Sean Payton, who had taken shots at at, at Nathaniel Hackett, who we know Rodgers loves and adores. So we'll, we'll get into that as well and do a bunch, 800-919-3776. But you know where we got to start. I put this out on Twitter yesterday, threw it on the gram as well. Once the news came down that Scherzer was being treated to the Rangers, listen, uh, some people subscribe to this idea that, you know, I you know, troll the Mets and, you know, it's, it's the only thing that I do. Or it's the Yankee fan that lives inside of me who just gets a kick out of laughing at the misery and the misfortunes of the other team in town. But that's not what this is. This is I told you so. This is I feel vindicated because back in May, I was on this early. I told y'all when I put it out on the radio and I put it out on social media, the Mets having this high of a payroll only to hover around 500 the entirety of the season would be embarrassing. That would be pathetic. I guess the only thing I got wrong was I gave them too much damn credit because they actually haven't hovered around 500. They've been below that. They've been one of the most you know, laughable stories in baseball this season. And I've come to say it is one of the biggest disappointments in New York sports history. I don't think that that is hyperbole. I think that is dead on. When I say this, though, people like to bring up the Nets with Durant and Irving and Harden because we know how much of a disaster that was. And I get it. Because of all the hype that happened in 2019 uh, with, with Katie and Kyrie coming to Brooklyn and spurning the Knicks and what the expectations were once Katie was healthy and he played you know, like an MVP. We've seen Kyrie Irving thrive as the second-best player on a championship team. Then all of a sudden, it's great for Harden. So they're the super team. They're the favorites. And then it all came crumbling down. And it was a maelstrom of just drama, you know, not getting vac- vaccine, uh, vaccinated. You got Harden taking shots at, at Kyrie through the media. It was a giant mess. But acting like that is even close to what we're watching with the Mets, to me, is you just being ill-informed. Because as bad as it was, and it was horrendous, at least the Nets won a playoff series and got to within one game of a conference finals back in 2000, 2021. And if not for the Harden injury in concert with the Kyrie injury, they probably get to the conference finals. They probably beat the Hawks there in the finals, and then who knows what happens against the Suns. But as bad as that was... When comparing them to the Mets, at least they won a playoff series. At least they were that to get into the conference finals. This Mets team started the season with a $340 million payroll. And the owner, who prides himself on you know, being 
a big spender. And look, when you're that rich, I pride myself on, on being a big spender too. But it's now going to see a tax bill that exceeds such a high number. The Mets are going to be paying between the salaries and the taxes about half a billion dollars for this season. A season that started them as the fifth best odds to win the World Series. So $340 million payroll, tied for the fifth best odds to win the title with the Padres. And three months later, your sellers? Come on. Uh, this is a colossal failure. It, it is one of epic proportions, and it quite simply falls on everyone. So let's start with the owner, Steve Cohen, who came in with this three- to five-year plan of winning a championship. And so far, he's got one playoff win to show for it. And that was that Padres game where DeGrom made his final start as a Met. So he's spending all of this money only for the difference between this iteration of the Mets versus the one that was much maligned under the Wilpons. The only difference is they're still losers, but just expensive losers. That, that's it. That's it. Nothing has changed. They're more expensive. They have you know, more marquee names, and they're still losing. You watch the product on the field. doesn't look anything close to what we imagined they would be. When they came into you know, this regime, you know, Cohen's supposed to be the second coming of George Steinbrenner. And by the way, so this is just all honesty that I'm uttering. It's not me hating on the Mets. Just to go back, when, when Cohen was hired— or when he bought the team, I should say. I remember producing Saturday mornings for, for Dave Rothenberg. And he asked me, because he knows I'm a Yankee fan. He's like, how does this make you feel? Because there's a lot of noise about what the Mets are going to become. And could they you know, take the city away from the Yankees? Because they have someone who can outspend mistakes. And that was the biggest thing. He's got money to employ those resources that even if they have a, a, a bad trade or a bad signing, they can overcome that because he'll just pay it, uh, pay it away and put a band-aid on it with his money. That was the biggest difference. So Dave asked me how I felt, and candidly, as I always am, I say, I ain't, gonna be, I ain't even going to lie. I ain't even going to hold you. I'm nervous. Because the Yankees right now don't appear to be the same team that they were back under you know, George Steinbrenner where it wasn't just the, the, the spending money aspect of it. It was the hatred of losing. The losing pained you so much that it caused you in that ensuing offseason to make monumental changes. And now it feels like the Mets have that. And they're going to become a more attractive destination for big names, and there's a chance that the next time a World Series is won in this town, it could be by the Mets. I was being honest there. So far, I'm wrong on that, but it just goes to show you how much this falls. Like, Cohen has to, has to bear some of the criticism here. This three- to five-year plan ain't looking too good right now, my G. So let's go to the general manager he hired, Billy Epler. I mean, what a disaster that's been. Tell me the signing you look at that makes you feel great or the trade, the acquisition. What is it? Chris Bassett, I guess, was probably the best one. He's coming off a, a really good season. The Mets go out and trade for him, and he pitched admirably for them last year. But outside of that, 
what do we have on the resume reel? Scherzer wasn't great, and now he's gone. Verlander's actually been fantastic, so you could say that's the best one. In his last seven starts, he's pitching to an ERA of like a hair of a 1.4. He's been great, but 48 hours from now, he might be wearing a different uniform. Starling Marte can't hit anymore. Daniel Vogelback and Tyler Naquin, those are your two big acquisitions from last year? Very underwhelming. Darren Ruff, give me a break. So to spend that much money and have this many flaws is mortifying. To be afforded that amount of cash, to have that at your disposal, where you can go out and get the best players available to field your team, giving you the competitive advantage of playing in the biggest market with an owner who's willing to spend, and to look all around the field and say there's a flaw there, flaw there, flaw there, flaw there, flaw there. We're at the trade deadline, and we're five games under 500. I mean, dude, like talk about a, a just a, a laughably terrible job. And to take that team last year, essentially run it back after we saw them choke the last two months, that was a ginormous misplay. And I understand the Carlos Correa situation throws you for a bit of a loop. But you have to be able to rebound. You got to be able to respond to that. So Epler gets, you know, if we're doing the the pie chart of who gets blamed, Epler's on there, of course, for how how bad he's been as a GM. Now we move along, and I there's this weird thing happening in this town where it's like we put bubble wrap around the managers, but it's only for criticism because when the teams perform well, we have to give them praise. We have to sing and adulate them. But when they fall short and they're losing, we're not allowed to critique them. And that goes not just for Boone, but for Buck Showalter, who was the manager of a team that had a 10.5-game division lead on June 1st last year. And since then, the Mets have been 28.5 games worse than the Braves, who they're chasing. Buck Showalter was brought in here to establish a culture, to change what was happening, because there was a lot of buffoonery going on in here with the clowns who have been managers. You needed an adult in a room who was established, who had cachet, who had a resume, who was someone as respected as Buck. He comes in here to turn the situation around. The problem is they still have been losing. And when you're brought here to dispose of the losing, and you continue to lose, and I look everywhere around your team, and there's nothing but talent, and yet everywhere you turn, all of that talent seems to be underperforming. I'm sorry, not sorry, the manager has to be culpable. That has to fall on him. Everywhere you look, oh, that guy's underperforming. Oh, he's falling short of expectations. Oh, he's not playing to the back of his baseball card. Oh, there's another defensive blunder. Oh, another play where they're thrown to the wrong base? I'm not saying Buck's the biggest reason why this is going awry, but we can't say that he is devoid of criticism. I cannot look at this team that, again, since June 1st of last year, is about 30 games worse than Atlanta, the best team in your division. When the gap is that pronounced, when it's that significant, when it's that large, (laughs) the manager has to be held accountable for it. And then that leaves us with the players, who, yes, also deserve blame as well. 
the Edwin Diaz injury was huge. He was probably the best reliever in the sport last year. And it sucked, right? He's playing in an exhibition game for his country. He goes down at the end during his celebration, and it, 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 it was a disaster. It was a travesty. And I actually felt sorry for the Mets and their fans because this was a guy, remember, who struggled at first, wasn't liked by the fan base, but then last year he turned those Jets up became someone who they really rallied around, had the, you know, had the intro music and the whole ordeal, and immediately following a career year for him, he goes down with an injury, and it came that, you know, he was playing not even wearing their uniform. But as, as huge as that was, the fact that it crippled you to this magnitude, where you became uh, one of the worst teams in your division, that is simply unacceptable. So for the players, like can you can't you argue that every position outside of their closer this year in David Robertson or uh, their former closer has underperformed? Can't you argue that every single position has underperformed? So yes, it falls on the players. Cohen's get bl- Cohen's got to get blamed. Epler gets blamed. Showalter's got to get some criticism, and the players have to wear this as well. Which brings me to my original point in calling this one of the biggest disappointments in New York sports history. I don't even think that can be argued. When you look at the results, that pale so dramatically in comparison to what this team before the season was selling us on. And that was the idea that they could win a championship. And right now, you take a look at the standings and the wild card. The Mets are as close to being the very worst team in the National League to being the number one wild card. Think about that. There's seven games back of the Giants who occupy the number one wild card. And just nine games up on the Colorado Rockies, who are the worst team in the National League. So they're halfway between the best wildcard team and the worst team in the National League. All that talent, all that money spent, and your sellers at the deadline. Tried to warn y'all. Tried to tell you guys. Y'all called me a troll. Guess what? I feel vindicated. 800-919-3776. I'm on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler. Instagram as well. We're cooking this thing up. Going until midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. This the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's, it shouldn't be all that surprising. They tried to run back a squad that choked away a 10.5 game division lead and won one playoff game at the end of the season. That's what they tried to do. There was no reason to think that they were going to accomplish anything this year. Now, did I have them being this bad? A five games under? At the trade deadline with a minus 10 run differential and sellers? No. But I warned John, hey, hovering around 500 all year long for this squad is embarrassing. And now they, they've even gotten to a point that's even lower than that. Sellers. Man. That's crazy. 800-919-3776. Leading off today is Dan in New Jersey. What's up, Dan? How are you, Ty? Shout out to the company. 
What's up, man? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. So tomorrow night, I don't know if you're uh, on the, the station, but I do have a game. I sent you a, a DM on Twitter. You didn't get back to me. But if you'd like to do color with me tomorrow night for this basketball league, you're more than welcome to. Uh, I appreciate the offer, man. I, I'm, I unfortunately won't be able to make it, but I do appreciate the offer. All right, all right. Um, I'm really upset about the Yankees. I mean, Severino was awful tonight. He looked like a pitcher in the Bad News Bears. That's what the Yankees have really looked like for a lot of the season. And Brian Cashman getting paid this much money is just absurd. And I think at this point, you know, you look at Baltimore. Baltimore kind of toyed around with you this weekend. I don't think they're better than Houston. Tampa Bay is a better team. I think they need to sell off some pieces and try to, even if they eat some money and do what the Mets did with Scherzer, try to eat the Stanton contact, uh, contract and maybe even the LeMahieu contract. Well, listen, Danny, uh, I appreciate the call. The problem for the Yankees is the fact that they are only entering today three and a half games out of a wild card spot and – you know, Judge is back. Nestor Cortez Jr. is on his way back. Loisac is on his way back. They can always convince themselves that they're still in this. That, you know, as long as they get one of the three wild card spots, they can make a run. I, I, I think it is going to be difficult for Howe to just punt on the rest of the season, selling pieces off, knowing he still has all this talent on the roster. And now you're you're pretty much telling Yankee fans they don't have to watch the game, so the yes ratings would take a hit, uh, attendance would take a hit as well. So because they run this like a business, which they should, I'm, I'm not criticizing them for that. They run it like such a business in the right way. I don't know that you know three games back of a playoff spot, three and a half games back of a playoff spot is enough for you to just you know succumb to submission especially when you have all these guys coming back that you feel can be impactful now i i tend to agree with you along the lines of like the genesis of what you're saying is you don't think that they have a run in them which i would agree with i've watched too much of this team this year to think that all of a sudden it's going to turn around we're at the trade deadline and after they lose tonight they're going to be five games over 500 and Judge is back, and I, I get all that. We were told that, you know, once that happened, they would go back to becoming a contender. So, fiddling, they get shut out on Friday night. They did respond yesterday with eight runs, and Judge was awesome. But it, 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 they just looked like the same team that, you know, you win one, you lose one. It, it, it's, it's just a matter of they're consistently inconsistent. So, you lose this series to Baltimore. Then you got Tampa coming up, and then Houston. This this was a crit- critical stretch. You're not going to bury them three games into this critical stretch, but it does show you they're not they're they're not as good as the Orioles right now. They're not as good as the Rays. They haven't been as good as Houston in the last eight years. So it's frustrating. You know another thing that ticked me off. Why why is Judge resting today? Why why is he resting? Why is he getting a day off? He missed eight weeks of the season. It's go time. It's, it's, it is, you know, you're in that territory where you really can't afford to lose series, especially against teams that you're chasing. This is a huge game, the biggest game of the season. Every game now becomes the biggest game of the season. 
But you got a chance to win this series against Baltimore, take some momentum into Tampa. Judge coming off of a day where he had a home run and two singles. You're resting him, and your excuse is this is really an extension of you know rehab assignments because he didn't go and, and play those games. What the hell are you talking about? He he can't DH. It's too much for him to bat three or four times a game or in this game and then go to the bench. You're resting this guy after missing eight weeks. Where's the sense of urgency? Made no sense to me. 800-919-3776. More of your phone calls coming up. We'll hear from you know the Mets who spoke today and continue to discuss how much of a, a travesty it is that they had the highest payroll in, in team sports history and at the deadline, they're punting on the season. So we'll talk about that. Get into the football as we progress through the show. Ty Butler going until midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Billy Epler is, I guess, resistant to this notion that the Mets are rebuilding. And here's what he had to say about that. But I do want to be clear that it's not a rebuild. It's not a fire sale. It's not a liquidation. This is just a repurposing of, uh, you know, Steve's investment in the club and kind of shifting that investment from the team into the organization. Yeah, the only problem with that is you just traded a guy who is your second best pitcher. And there are rumors that your best pitcher, Verlander, could also be on the move. So the idea that this isn't a rebuild, this is a retooling, I mean, what, what is it that you're trying to sell to your fan base? I get it. You want to save face and you want to do some, some PR to, dis, or to avoid having to discuss how your reputation takes a hit since this is all you're doing. It's not like you didn't have enough money to put this team together. You, you had ample resources, and this is the type of product that was, was put on display. I, I just, for if, if I'm asking the questions in that press conference, it would be what's the plan here moving forward? Because in my eyes, if you trade Scherzer and Verlander, it almost comes away as you, even prior to 2024, just punting on that year as well. Even if you feel like David Stearns is going to come into this organization and set them up pretty for the future and retool, you're so far behind the Braves, there's so much work to be done. And getting rid of your two best pitchers puts you at a deficit. And I understand that you get back uh, Luis Angel Acuna, who is Ronald Acuna Jr.'s brother, He's a 21-year-old shortstop that's in double-A, and I, I guess the thought is that he's progressing so quickly, there's a chance, at least a remote possibility, that we could see him in the majors next year. But we, we were sold on this two-headed monster of Verlander and Scherzer being the difference in every single series the Mets played in in the playoffs because that's a luxury that simply no other team has. And it's, it, it just looks like we're, we're going to, you know, have that be done with. Verlander just got here. He's not even going to pitch a playoff game for the Mets. Like, that, that's insane to me. That's insane. Here was Billy Epler on his decision to trade Max Scherzer. You know, kind of given the, the place we're in and the odds we're facing, you know, it was a strategic decision. 
you know, we kind of took this opportunity to kind of serve another goal of the organization, which is to uh, enhance the farm system. Ver- Verlander, who pitched great again today, in his last seven starts, pitching to a 1.43 ERA. So if he is, you know, desiring greener pastures, at this point in his career, it's about winning championships and continuing to do that. If that is, you know, at the you know, top of his priority list, and he waves his no-trade clause, then this is going to be uh, an asset for the Mets that they can trade and possibly get something back for him, especially if they agree to, you know, take on a large part of his salary the same, day, same way they did with Scherzer. Here was Verlander on the Max Scherzer trade. A bit surprised with that one. You know, obviously kind of leave the stadium and, and, and see some of the comments that he made and, and, and wonder – you know what happened because um, it, it obviously things came together really quickly and you know yeah it was uh, was a bit surprised to see it see it go down and i i you know watched his press conference it does sound like so last week he was adamant that he wanted to be here wanted to live in new york this is where he wanted to you know he wanted to finish out his contract but today it, it felt like he was walking it back a tad and, you know, with the news of Scherzer now being gone, it looks like the Mets are hitting a little bit of a reset button, and you wonder what's his interest in being a part of that at this stage of his career. I'll tell you one thing. The, the most terrifying scenario of all those that exist, because we see Texas is a viable option. I heard on the broadcast of Sunday Night Baseball, maybe Baltimore could be interested. If he goes back to Houston, I mean, come on now. Come on. He goes back to Houston it, it, it's it's amazing how they lose guys and just it doesn't phase them at all. They've dealt with injuries to Altuve, to Jordan Alvarez, and no, they're not you know blowing everyone out of the water as they've done in the past, but they've kept themselves in playoff positioning and within striking distance of you know going out there and winning that division. So they've been able to absorb the punches. And that is a testament to, you know, something really special they've done there in Houston. They're one game back of Texas right now for first place in the American League West. So they go, they go out there and get Verlander. They, they've got a real shot, especially with how he's been pitching lately. They've got a real shot at, at repeating and winning yet another championship, which would just be amazing and, and also just nauseating. Still can't stand the Astros. Still can't stand it. But this is what we have. This is what we have. I'm just praying that the Mets don't trade him to, to Houston. Don't do that. We've already had a, a, enough of a bad season. Don't make it worse by trading Verlander to the Astros and putting the Yankees at an increased deficit. Now, obviously, I'm joking. The Mets have to do what's in the best interest of them. And if they can find that that's the best package... You know, it would make sense for them to go in that direction. But I, I, I just as a Yankee fan, I'm praying that doesn't happen. I am I am hoping and praying to God that doesn't happen. 800-919-3776. Here's Pete Alonzo spoke last night, was asked if he's questioning his own status right now. I mean, like briefly thought about it. It's just one of those things where it's, it's out of my control. It's whatever. I mean, everything's obviously up to the, the higher-ups. But, I mean, I feel feel comfortable here. I mean, it's a, it's a great place to play. It's a great city. So it'd be kind of shocked, just as shocked as I was when I heard that Max got traded. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, if the Mets are saying that this isn't a total rebuild, then he should feel safe. Scherzer's up there in age. Uh, he could go help Texas, uh, the, a Ranger team that, you know, missing DeGrom right now, so he fills that void. Pete Alonso is a guy the Mets should prioritize locking up to a long-term deal. He's that good, and he's, you know, been injured this year, and it hasn't been as spectacular as we could have hoped for or thought he would be. But if he's getting traded, then that's just them hitting panic, the, the panic button. That That's just them hitting the uh, panic button. 800-919-3776. Here was Buster only talking on SportsCenter. And he alluded to the fact that Verlander could be the next one to be traded. And now moving forward, they'll have the same conversations about Justin Verlander, who, like Scherzer, has a full no-trade clause. And so the Mets are going to be talking with other teams about moving Verlander, if they can get his approval, repurposing his dollars, and trying to buy a high-end prospect. Maybe the Astros will be involved. Maybe the Dodgers will be involved. It'll really come down to whether or not Verlander is going to be okay moving out in the midst of a multi-year deal he made with the Mets. Yeah, so we'll continue to monitor that. The trade deadline is on Tuesday. Uh, so we'll see if uh, Verlander is the next one to go. But again, it did sound today like he's more open to it because if the Mets are, are starting to sell guys, so what business does he have wanting to be a part of this at that advanced age with the injury history and all of that? He's about winning championships. He's a Hall of Famer, and right now it's about stacking those uh, s- stacking those trophies, winning rings, and we'll see if uh, something materializes on that front. 800-919-3776. We will continue to monitor what's happening right now in Baltimore, the Orioles, uh, are up 9-3 to three in the middle of the seventh inning. How many times are the Yankees just going to get waxed this year? And now doing so on nationally, uh, tele- uh, national television against a team you're chasing. Severino, uh, there are a lot of times you look at him and you're just, you're just floored at, at how a guy could have that great stuff and be this awful. How is Severino this bad? How? How can he be this bad? Because you watch him and you, and you question, am I watching one of the worst pitchers in baseball? In his five starts in July, Severino's pitched to an 11.22 ERA. 43 hits, 7 home runs, and 21 and two-thirds innings pitch. In a contract season. Who, who on God's green earth is giving that guy some money? 800-919-776. We return to your phone calls. We'll get into football as well at the top of the hour. Ty Butler going until midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN.